0: If you look at my catalog of films since till, the only thing I've produced was things to uplift the community and have a, a, a great impact on society. I won't touch anything unless it's going to do something to help us. Mm. And so, you know, there's filmmakers out there who's there to entertain you. That's great. But that's not what I do. What I do is use filmmaking as my activism tool.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Live in Good Currency with Tony.
2: And Tobias.
1: We're so grateful for everything that you guys have done to support this podcast, from your likes, your subscribes, your shares. Please, please keep it up. We appreciate it. Without further ado, we're super excited for the first time to bring on two guests. Two. Yes. And there's a reason for it, and you'll realize uh, pretty soon. The first guest, Keith Beauchamp, award-winning filmmaker, founded the Till Freedom Come Productions, a company devoted to socially significant projects can both teach and entertain. He has devoted the past 26 years of his life telling the story of Emmett Till and has traveled extensively between New York, Chicago, and Mississippi to investigate the historic murder. Through his journey, he tracked and spoke with witnesses who had never before spoken about the case, all the while persistently lobbying both the state of Mississippi and the federal government to reopen the Emmett Till murder investigation. And on May 10, 2004, the United States Department of Justice reopened this 50-year-old murder case, citing the documentary that he did called The Untold Story of Emmett Luis Till as both a major factor in the decision and starting point of their investigation. Keith's been featured on news shows all around the world, as well as in hundreds of publications. And he's currently the producer of the upcoming feature film Till, which is being co-produced by Fred Zolo, Whoopi Goldberg, and Barbara Broccoli. We also have Fred Zolo, who's an American film and theater producer, has produced more than 100 New York plays in New York, London, and on tour. Zolo is a 20 time Tony nominee, winning the award seven times. times. I've seen them in the background, I, yes, I know sir. that they exist. <laughs> Fred is also best known for his film work on Be- Best Picture Oscar nominees Mississippi Burning and Quiz Show. Welcome, Keith and Fred, to the Welcome. show. We appreciate your time.
3: Thank you. Thank you Paul.
1: There's so much questions that we have in regards to obviously the two of you coming together to tell Till, but let's just back up a little bit. I think it's before we get to the movie that you guys just produced. I think it's really important. Keith, if we can start with you, clearly you've been beyond inspired by Emmett Till's story. And can you share with our audience the day that your life changed um, specifically with the focus of Emmett Till?
0: Oh, wow. Thank you for that great question. I have to say, um, my life begun, and I say begun, and I don't say that lightly, at the age of 10, when I came across the Jet magazine that told the story of Emmett Till. I was in my parents' study. I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I was in the study going through old vintage magazines that my parents kept. And there I was, I put, picked up a magazine that had the story of Emmett Till in it. And as I was reading through the pages, I saw this angelic face of this young little boy, sort of a mirror image of myself at the time. And then on the other side of this page, there's this was horrific face of this monster. And I just could not understand what I was looking at. And just so happened, my parents were walking by the study and my mother looked in on me. And she saw me with my mouth open and she walks in. And she looks over my shoulder and then she calls my father into the study and they both looked at each other and said i think it's time to tell him the story mm. but the name Emmett Till kept resurfacing when i got into high school i was interracially dating the first thing my parents would tell me before i lost left the house at night was don't let what happened to Emmett Till happen to you mm, wow. so it became an educational tool to teach me about the racism that still exists in this country today But it wasn't until two weeks before my high school graduation, I have to say, I had my real run in with racism. That was when I was assaulted by an undercover police officer for dancing with a white classmate of mine. And that's what just actually, I won't say forced me, but that's what made me want to fight injustice. And the only way I could fight that, you know, that social ill was to become a part of the system. And so I began to study criminal justice at Southern University of Baton Rouge and hopes of becoming a civil rights attorney. But then the, towards my junior year of college, I was introduced to filmmaking by childhood friends who started their own film production company here in New York. And that's what spurred me into, um, you know, wanting to fight for not just justice for Emmett, but I was just trying to figure out what what place in society would be. You know, I was in college. I told my parents I was gonna sit out a semester, the things didn't work out, I would continue my education and go to law school. And I have to say, thank God I didn't have to do that. Um, I decided that I wanted to take on the story of Emmett Till. And eventually, before I actually started production, I met, um, of course, Emmett Till's mother, the late Mrs. Mamie Till Mobley, who became my mentor, uh, my confidant, and of course, my close friend. And I worked with her for close to nine years until she unfortunately passed away in 2003.
1: Wow. I'm going to let you, Tobias, um, Mm. reflect on that question because I know that that um, resides, you know, resonates with you.
2: Yeah. Uh, At the age of 10, yeah, my father uh, was 10 when his uh, mother used to ask him, this is in Ohio, Toledo, Ohio. Um, Yeah, yeah, this is 50s not even close, maybe close to the 60s. He was 10 years old, and he used to be the one to run the Jet magazine from house to house, uh, giving it to my uh, uh, my my father's mother's uh, siblings. And so he used to look in the middle for the centerfold. And as he was looking for the centerfold at 10 years old, he seen Emmett Till, and that kind of was the time in his life that defined what he felt was going on inside of his community. That brought him forth into being a part of the liberation struggle, the human rights struggle throughout the 60s. Uh, So that, then at the age of 10, uh, for me was 1980, is when he introduced uh, that same magazine to me and showing me that uh, the fight still continues and we must do all with our skills, our talents, and gifts to make sure not only Emmett Till, but the thousands of Emmett Till's who do not get the publicity that uh, our brother gives. And the mothers and the families and the grandfathers, you know the story probably better than me, and the cousins who was there, and the father who was off in the military who ended up killed brother. So all this language and history and systemic uh, uh, trauma and pain and atrocities was placed on my young mind at the same age. So brother, it's an honor to hold this space uh, with you now, and thank you for the excellent work that you're doing. Thank you, sir.
1: You. you know, I think uh, during this conversation, we're going to see a lot of, and I can't wait for you to get to know Tobias more, Keith, as well, and, and, and the struggle that he took on. Because when we talked about Emmett Till, he had mentioned a lot of, you know, when he spent his 28 years in prison, you know, for something he didn't do, a murder he didn't do. You know, he took on a lot of these, um, you know, he 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 flipped the system in prison on its head, right? He fought with love and hugs versus fighting and, and, and division. And so we Tobias took on that, that energy, um, inside a system of hell. I look at you, who just like Tobias who had a profound impact from that jet magazine article, it's how many millions of people or thousands, hundreds of thousands, however the number is that were also affected. But you're one of the few people that I know that then decided, okay, I'm going to devote my life, life to the specific cause of Emmett Till. And so what do you think it was that, you know, from, you know, from being inspired or being impacted from that magazine article and, you know, in these experiences that helped you dedicate your professional life that's right to this for the last, you know, last several decades? Like that's a, that's a, that's a really big way to focus.
0: Yes, yes. Tony and Tobias, it's, you know. It's something I'm still trying to figure out to be honest with you, you know, I've never had so much passion in telling a story before. And not just a story, but I call this a breathing animal because we're still fighting for justice for Emmett. Mm. And, you know, I, I have to say, you know, having great parents who instilled in me the value for speaking for those who can no longer speak for themselves, played a very big role in my makeup as well as Mother Mobley herself. I mean, here was a woman who fought for 47 years until her last breath, seeking justice for her son. And I felt, you know, being at an early age when I first first met her, I felt the least I can do is, is you know, hold this as my obligation as well um, and seek justice for Emmett, because without Emmett Till, I truly believe the civil rights movement would not have mm. come the way it did. And so when you put it in that context, you know you're dealing with something that's greater than yourself. Mm. Now, did I have always have the faith that I, as a one person, could actually make a difference? No. I mean, that was a big challenge for me because I was 22 years old when I first started research until I'm 50 years old now. So over half of my life has been dedicated to this cause. But I say that because you know, Mother Mobley, meeting someone as profound as her, watching her, um, you know, fight the good fight over and over again, never giving up, was very impactful. On me, um, here was a mother that I thought would be someone that would be timid, um, mm-hmm. who would, you know, be still suffering. The you know, this painful episode of her life. And she was able to flip the narrative on that and to continue to fight for justice because she understood the importance of getting justice for Till, but most importantly, continuing to tell his story. She used to say to me all the time, Keith, we must continuously tell Emmett's story until man's consciousness is risen. Only then there would be justice for Emmett Till. Speak. For the longest time, I had wondered what she meant by that. And of course, being young, you know, you become this machine in a way, and you don't really understand all the dynamics of the things that you're doing. But as I grew older, I started understanding that quote she would say Mm -hmm. to me often. I truly believe that she she had the blueprint to man's liberation, when it comes to racial progression in this country, if we want to be honest, racial progression has only happened through the blood and sweat and the death of the black body. Mm. And here was her son who was the poster top child to the anti-lynching movement of 1955. And I wanted to say anti-lynching movement, because as you know, the law has finally been passed recently mm. over 120 Years over 200 attempts, we finally have an Emmett Till anti lynching law, and this is something that we have been fighting for for generations. And so, when you talk about the Emmett Till story, we must put his story in its proper context mm. and history in order to understand how important it is for us to understand his story today. Mm.
1: And do you, you know, one of the things that the reason why this show is called Live in Good Currency, it's part of our philosophy, which is that everyone shares the same purpose in life, which is to do good for yourself and others daily, to be of service. And the key to life is to align your passions, which are which what makes us unique to our purpose to be of service. So when I look today, we are saying, you know, these are examples, even how Fred came in to now tell the story with you is that you guys are living good currency. You guys are doing good for yourself and others. I mean, t- when you look at the Emmett Till story, it's not, to your point, it's not a one-off situation. This is, you know, there's, from Emmett Till's mother, God rest her soul, you got these transferable lessons, these transferable skills. You know, often we talk about a lot of our life experiences, experience Bias being in, he had so many transferable skills that he learned inside that now we're, that when we came and joined forces is when we realized, although we came from different upbringings, different backgrounds, different experiences, we shared so many similar things and lessons that we could then share to the world. And that's what I'm I'm listening to you about, that the, the Emmett Till story, your story, telling Emmett Till's story, there's a lot of transferable lessons here, not just with um, racial injustice, But in general, like there's anybody listening or watching both this podcast, your documentaries, your movie that's about to come out. There's so many deeper lessons on humanity that if we just listen to some of these lessons and not look at it like that's them, that's not me. I don't know. what I can't relate. If you could actually just put yourself to listen, I just and it's an example of your life, you know, at a young age. You didn't quite understand a lot of these reasons. But you knew what you were being called to do, um, and and I and and I just I I find that so fascinating um, with with this 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 impact. Um, Fred, if we can bring you in, um, uh, is you know now you guys just completed uh, last year a few months ago, I guess uh, the 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 feature film. Um, what made you? What made? How'd you get involved in this story?
3: It wasn't fifteen years ago. People said. There's this brilliant film by this guy, Pete Beauchamp, by uh, the murder of Emmett Till called The Untold Story. And it, it's truly well titled because it is The Untold Story. Because no one no. knew remarkably, it's an amazing fact, but Keith found the truth. Mm. He's And in his film, he told things about the murder of Emmett Till that, people knew, but no one had ever said publicly. Um, and he made this remarkable film. And the moment that I saw it, which I believe was around 2005, six, um, uh, I contacted Keith and said, how can we make, um, how can we make the amateur movie? Um, I had actually sort of tried to as far back as Nineteen ninety five, 94, and not found any interest in Hollywood. Um, I would made a couple of films, about the civil rights movement, um, one, a fictionalized story of the murders of, of the Missouri journey, and the other, a pretty close analysis of the uh, bringing to justice of Maker Evers' murderer 30 years after the murder. Um, all those And so the desire was there to make the till story. Um, uh, our old friend of ours, Paul Kurt, used to refer to them as the tillogy. Mm. And when I met Keith, I said, how can we, how can we make this happen? How can you, how can you help us make this movie happen? Pete used to always say, it's it's not a movie, Fred, it's a movement. Mm. And he was right. And the idea was to make a great film um, and to tell the truth and to tell Mrs. Goldblum's story, she being a one of the most remarkable Americans and her heroism and her courage and and hopefully those who were still alive, who had participated in the murder of Emmett Till, would see some form of justice. And so, which remains our vote. We were very fortunate with both well, Mississippi burning and to a degree those of Mississippi because um, perpetrators of civil rights crimes who were still around because of the publicity that they came from those farms were actually brought to justice. Mm. Beckwith himself um, kind of fell into the web of the movie um, because when one of the murderers of Good Return, Cheney, sued us for libel, in the subsequent trial, uh, a witness reminded everyone that this guy had actually said that he was going to kill the church mm. and bragged about it. And the guy just, as a side, said, just like Beckwith did. And suddenly, um, and Peters, the district attorney of Heinz County, and his then uh, ADA, a guy named De DeLauder, had no evidence that Beckwith had actually bragged about killing Meg Rivers, and this had not appeared in the two hung juries back in 64 5. And of course, amazingly, justice was done. Uh, Beckwith was remanded from single-minded Tennessee. He was tried and convicted uh, in, uh, in 1994 of a crime he had committed more than 30 years before. So it proved. That actually justice could be done, and that's always been our hope with this film: that those who may still be alive, who participated and contributed to the heinous murder and kidnapping of fourteen-year-old Edward Till, should at least see some form of justice.
1: Wow! I mean, Fred, if you guys, if if, if, the, if our audience can't see fate coming together with the both of you coming together, it's not just. Oh, this is a story that has to be told. Oh, Keith just happens to find a prolific producer in Fred. But man, it's like you when he when Keith's answer to you was that we're gonna create a movement, your answer is not just to 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 placate him. You're saying, Oh, I've already done that. I know what that means. I've done movies who turn into movements. Oh, uh, so that's uh that's an amazing, amazing thing to know that you guys I- are I was,
3: I was a very lucky little kid because I had, I finally worked for Gillette at the time and Gillette was building factories in the South, including Mississippi. And I went to the, went to visit Mississippi with them. Remarkably as Keith knows, and Mrs. Evers knows, um, what to shake, break your ever on Capitol street, in Jackson, Mississippi. And, um, honestly, I'll well, check that man's and so I, I had actually seen him and became a kid, my kid from Boston. You know, I an incredible hero of mine. And I sort of you know, obviously followed him, um, and, and then, aimed his horrific assassination. And, um, another reason why the movie, Keith and I have just done and I'm so proud to be done, uh Megger and Merley Evers play a very important role as, as Megger was, as he was incredibly involved in Dr. Tian Howard in in the attempt to bring Ryanick and Milan to justice.
1: Mm. Amazing. Um the Tell our audience, uh, Keith, so you've been working on this this specific you know vision of yours to get this um, movements going through movies. Uh, you started out with a documentary. How long did that documentary take um, you know to make? Um, not in your not, not necessarily uh, the, you know the, the, from conception of trying to you know, want to do a documentary? Mm-hmm. But uh, just to give an idea to our audience, from the time that you said, okay, I'm actually gonna make this documentary, how long did that take from that part to the time it was uh, finally released?
0: Well, Tony, it started off as research materials for me to create a screenplay Got it on the Till case. And it's funny that Fred mentioned in 95, he was trying to produce a film. In 95, I actually wrote a screenplay Wow. That ended up being optioned by producers at Showtime and they sat on the project. They didn't know what to do with it. And so that, you know, after that transpired, I went back and Mother Mobley and I would talk and she would say, Keith, we gotta get this information out in a timely manner because you know, you're coming across all this great, you know, this great evidence. Now the people needs to hear it. Mm. So she became, I mean, she began to encourage me Mm. to produce the documentary, to use it as a stepping stone to get the case Mm. reopened and always said to me after that, then maybe you have a chance to really tell the story as a feature film, a narrative. And so, of course, to my surprise, it worked out to our benefit, but it took me nine years to produce the untold story wow. of Emmett Lewis Till. And the reason why it took so long was trying to convince people to feel comfortable enough to come forward yeah. to talk to me. I was in the Mississippi Delta. Um, Emmett Till was a name that you did not speak publicly. A lot of the African Americans in that community felt like, you know, I was putting their lives in danger because they knew themselves as some of the people who participated in the kidnapping and murder of Emmett Till, was still alive. And so I had to take heed to their words and just toss the filmmaker's hat aside and become friends. Mm. And that, of course, eventually happened. And I have to say, Simeon Wright, Emmett Till's cousin, who shared the bed with him um, the night he was abducted, Mr. Wright, it took me three years to convince him to talk to me. But when he opened up, it was like the floodgates opened because I began to talk to many more witnesses who were aware of what transpired in 1955 and who also witnessed the um, kidnapping
2: as well. Keith, you said something that was so powerful, and I'm pretty sure that uh, it's something that we all can appreciate. I had to throw my professional hat to the side and tap into my humanity and become— a friend, a friend. Yes, yes. And when one yes, is feeling or thinking that they are talking to their friend, something that I might have been holding 30 or 40 years will pour forth doing justice to my own soul. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Another thing. Yes, that, to yeah, yes, Yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing is. <laughs> no, the it's, it's, the, it's. Yeah, yeah please. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. No, go brother, <laughs> please, brother, please talk. Please, give it no, to No,
0: no, you know, it's, my youth played a very significant role as well as getting to get people to open up because I wasn't coming at them as a, some authority figure. Mm. I was coming at them very green. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell I was doing mm. as a filmmaker. I wouldn't even call myself. Till this day, I don't call <laughs> myself a filmmaker. I call myself an, an intentional filmmaker. Mm. Um, filmmaking is just my activism tool that I use Come on. as my mouthpiece. Come on. And so, um, you know, getting people to open up to me, um, I did not, of course, take that lightly. I knew the danger that existed. And I just wanted to, you know, tell their stories. And they entrusted me enough for many years um, to tell their stories. And it's great to finally, you know, see those, I guess, fruits of that labor, yes. you know, finally coming out because every day, you know, there's something on Emmett Till. And mm-hmm. there's so much more that people need to speak about though, in terms of this case, so much more to say as well.
2: Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Another thing that you said was very important to parents, the parents, you having parents. And I noticed inside of incarcerated space, a lot of the black and brown men that I've dealt with, they didn't have a father or their mother was in a bad situation herself. So to have parents who seen this young child's mouth hanging open in the study and then to say, oh, it's time, it's time. So the foundation of the work that you're doing, that Fred is complimenting, came from parents understanding it was timely, and then Mother Mobley, she said it herself, For "Her soul be blessed." It's time, you know. So uh, these are the things that really uh, call me to be appreciative of my mother and her struggles, and all the mothers who are struggling to bring justice to the story of their children. And what is very important, and this is where I really applaud Tony and Fred that when we join forces as brothers and then it can take a Keith and a Fred or Tobias and a Tony to create this good currency, this good energy that we can bring these stories forth in real time. So, yes. uh, You know, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, brother Tobias, you
0: you, you said it. I would be remiss if, if I did not speak more of my parents because, you know, I come from a lifestyle where, I really hadn't had to worry about anything in my life but education, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what my parents instilled in me. My mother was a professor at yeah, Southern yeah. University of Baton Rouge. My father was in the military for 23 years and retired, um, eventually became an educator himself, and I don't know if you notice, if you look at the untold story of Emmett Louis Till, my executive producers are my parents. Yeah. And the reason why they got that title was because they gave me the finances (laughs) that I was supposed to go to law school with Mm. to produce Till. So Mm. if not for my parents. The untold story of Emmett Lewis Till would not have been created. And I do not believe we'll be sitting here today talking about Till. We love the
2: parents.
1: Mm. You know, that's when you think about the definition of purpose is the reason for which something was created or the reason for which something exists. And that's why we think of our purpose as doing good for yourself and others daily. And when you think about how each, all of us have these different backgrounds, these different upbringings, and and, and you had to come from the background you had with your mom and dad. Your mom and dad had to go and give you the ability to go to law school for you to then switch. When you look at these dominoes that had to play, in fact, in all of our lives, this is what fascinates us and why we have these conversations as incredible human beings, because we learn from it but also our audience can learn from it. No matter what domino you happen to be going through right now, if you can trust what Tony Robbins often says, which is life happens for you, not mm. to you, then you allow the dominoes to know that this is perfectly playing a role in what you're supposed to be doing. And so when I look at you two right now, I'm so excited to know that this is, this is aligning with what, with what we stand for and what we believe in. And, and clearly Fred's desire to do these movements Without maybe articulating those words, I mean, he was doing these movements when, so it so naturally uh, fit when you said, "I'm not doing a movie; I'm doing a movement." Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we're doing here, both with Good News Network as well as Good Currency, and why we're so excited that Stephanie Sherris, who yes, thank you yes, so much, yes, Stephanie, yes, for yes, getting yes. this going for us. Um, so, the documentary took nine years, and then and then obviously years later, Fred sees it. He's been wanting to tell that he had a burning desire, no pun intended for the past title of his movie. He had a burning desire Mm -hmm. to tell this story. He didn't know how it was going to get made. And you, quite frankly, were like, well, I don't know either. I mean, Showtime had it, didn't do anything with it. I got this documentary. So so how did you answer that question? Because Fred asked that question. You guys came together. And so from the time you guys came together, said, okay, we're going to join forces. Clearly, Fred has the pedigree, the background, Mm -hmm. the accolades, all that stuff. You have this burning desire, the rights, all this stuff at that moment how did how did uh the joining of you i know obviously you eventually got with barbara you know whoopi how did that transpire and what was that like getting that to the point where you guys were able to f- produce a film
0: well one of the highlights of my career was meeting fred i mean come on i mean this is a man who's done many f- popular films um over time um of course a Mississippi Burning Ghost of Mississippi was something that I've watched in my family's household. And when you talk about doing any type of projects on civil rights, people would always point you towards Mississippi, Burning, Ghost of Mississippi. So when I got that call to meet with him, I was overly excited because I was inspired by his films. Mm. Um, you know, to to be able to use the platform that I have as a filmmaker, unintentional filmmaker, whatever you want me to want to call me, but to be able to use the medium of filmmaking to spark social change, you know, that's what I wanted to do across the board, my full career. Cause if you look at my catalog of films since till, the only thing I've produced was things to uplift the community and have a, a, a great impact on society. I won't touch anything unless it's going to do something to help us. Mm. And so, you know, there's filmmakers out there who's there to entertain you. That's great. But that's not what I do. What I do is use filmmaking as my activism tool. And Fred did that. And he was successful with doing it. And so I didn't need to reinvent the wheel. I just needed to align myself up with Fred and, and his expertise. And of course, what came after that was... Barbara, and Wilkie, and that was just the icing on cake for me.
3: <laughs> we got very, very lucky because we we tried for a long time, and in making the, making movies on this subject matter in America seemed to be very difficult. It, every great American story involving civil rights could have been told 50 years ago. Um, and why it hasn't been is... I, I think two of you can answer that question, mm. uh, but we were very blessed to meet, I mean, Barbara Broccoli McCain evolved and was able to use her immense clout and that's taste and brilliant filmmaking ability to push this over top. Um, we were both so blessed to have Whoopi Goldberg, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's so remarkable. and. Uh, for a time, we actually, contemplated directing the film, but was unable to do so because of the scheduling. Um, but we are very blessed. As I think I've said, to have gotten uh, the first black woman to win Sundance, Shonda uh, Machuko to direct the film. Who I think I mentioned earlier directed a definitive film about capital punishment in America, mm-hmm. starring mm-hmm. Albert Woodard, called Clemency. Um, another subject that Americans don't seem to want to grapple with Come on, the horrors of capital punishment, which still exist. I mean, talk about being unjustly accused un- and then unjustly accused and then executed. You may have been not committed, or that there were immense mitigating circumstances and the continued bloodlust in this country for capital punishment, even when in many cases, it's proven to be cruel than usual punishment, yes, something from the Middle ages. and yet it still continues and it won't stop just a couple of hours ago. a, uh, a state sanctioned murder was stopped in Texas. yes um and it keeps going on anyway, Shan I made a brilliant movie on that subject um and but what made Arbor's Whoopies to is. And all that's so crucial is that deep down, it was the story of a 14 year old boy, but it is very much the story of his mother. And we were very blessed to have powerful, brilliant women yes. who, who really embraced this story. And as I think I mentioned, Danielle Dadwiler plays Mrs. Mobley, it's extraordinary. And it is as detailed and as, I I think, a personal story and I think Keith can really appreciate that because he knew her so well. Mm. And Simeon, who we were again blessed to have him with us um, in the production of this film. Um, I, don't, I It is great sadness that we will not see the completed film, but at, least, at least not on this earth, but hopefully in the better place that he is now.
1: Wow. You know, it just goes to show for, for anybody listening, how, you know, when you have, when you really are directed and you focus on a daily basis on your purpose and you align it with your passions, we have a thing that we're about to release called the divine algorithm versus, versus the cultural algorithm, it's just a quick episode we're going to release in that most of us our day-to-day basis are are falling into what we call the cultural algorithm not just the technology of instagrams or facebook's so what your technology is feeding you but where you're born where you're born the color of your skin the 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 language you speak these are all fits into a cultural algorithm where you um you know you like something and you don't like something because you're told this is or you're you're in and, and when they call they say a uh, algorithm is uh, you know uh, you put a couple numbers in you get the the outcome numbers don't lie but when the numbers do lie, they call it a, an anomaly or a miracle. And, but really what we we, we had just kind of sort of realized over these last few months is that that's called the divine algorithm. That's live, instead of ones and zeros, it's just one. And so there is a way to, to to get your mindset out of the cultural algorithm and get into that divine where you are really allowing yourself to trust that anything's possible when you're focused on doing good for yourself and others. And, and and I feel so blessed to be part of this four-way conversation because you guys are attesting your lives had both lived completely different, came together in the, what we're calling the divine algorithm. When you got that phone call, Keith, from Fred, you can't write a book on wait, along, wait for the phone call to happen, right? You just, you got to, you know, that's not going to help anybody. But when you, if you can tell them to focus on their purpose and passions and align those daily, Then you allow yourself for those fateful phone calls. You allow yourself. I mean, Fred needed you as much as you needed him. And then together, that wasn't enough. You needed powerful women to tell the story. So Barbara Broccoli, Whoopi Goldberg, all these great names, these are all part of this this movement that you can just see this movie that you're about to uh, release is is, is a movement. You can see because the energy, why we call it good currency, is not just the dollar sort of value, but the energy – you can just feel like, I, I mean, I'm so excited because I can tell that this is this this movie is beyond just the box office weekend. Um, You know, when they say, well, how wh-, you know, what was the success of a movie? And they always rate it by the box office. But this movie already is a success because you can tell the lives I bet who participated, whether it's the crew, whether it's the cast um, and clearly your lives. So I appreciate you and I thank you guys for. For sharing the story, but um, I, I mean, a few more questions on my mind. Like, um, first of all, did this get independently financed? Was this with a studio? Like, it is just curious on that. The
0: film. The film was actually um, produced by MGM. Okay. Orion, okay. actually. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Studio. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this. You know, Tony is. You know, process wasn't easy. And the reason why I'm saying that is because Fred and I was, you know, hitting our heads against the walls over the years saying this should be done now, it should be done now. And I kept saying, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen, you know, and I just stayed fast on that, um, you know, straight on that, um, that faith that it will happen, that the, li- the planets will line up. And that's yeah. just what happened. You know, it took years to do films like that. In fact, people have tried for 60 years, over 60 years to make this film. Yeah, And so for me to actually produce The Untold Story and it went to theaters in 2005 um, and now I have a second film that's, you know, actually going to theaters, it's truly a blessing because it doesn't happen. Lightning doesn't strike twice Mm -hmm. in that manner where you're Telling the same story two times. I'm having this opportunity, but you know, like I said, it was a journey. You know, um, you know, every day, and especially in light of all the injustices that we're seeing on the streets of America at the hands of police and, of course, white supremacists. And so you hear these stories and you see these mothers. All I'm seeing is Mother Mobley yes. over and over and over again. And so we were anxious to get it out, but you know, I kept saying to Fred and others, look, it's gonna come out the
3: right time. And now is the time.
2: Oh, that it, it is, great. that it is.
3: It, it's, it's remarkable for me because MGM uh, has reactivated a company that I had a long relationship with, the Ryan, <laughs> ironically, were responsible for Mississippi burning, great Arthur Friend. Um Bursey from Mike Metaboy that this are uh, plus who said we're going to make this movie and they did. And Orion has been reactivated and its first release, I believe, is going to be Tell. Wow. And it's a company run by a brilliant woman of color, Amea, who has been unbelievably supported this film. And yet Another woman who sees who sees the possibilities of this story, which which are, I, I mean, are so universal. As Keith said, I mean, every day there's there's a stricken mom, and here's the story. Here's the story of one who who stood up to the arm and and changed the world. And for all intents and purposes, Keith that jump-started the civil rights movement. And what did Rosa Parks say?
0: You're right. You're right, Fred. And we have to keep that in mind that, you know, nobody relishes death to murder. But this is the story that sparked the American Civil Rights Movement. It's because of Till that Rosa Parks decided not to get up from her seat on that bus in Montgomery, Alabama. It's because of Till's murder that a young 26-year-old Dr. Martin Luther King decided to take on the Montgomery bus boycott because he felt that the murder of Emmett Till was actually an intimidation factor mm. to keep black people away from the polls. So when you talk about, you know, the ins and the outs and the historical time context of Till, what we're speaking is what we're seeing today, because things may have cosmetically changed in many ways but the fight for freedom and human rights in this country remains the same. So those social ills of our past,
2: it's no different from what we're fighting today. Mm, it's true. That's true. Uh, as I'm here listening, uh, you think about, as you said, uh, you know, uh, California where we are at, you know, it has more people incarcerated than any other place in the world. Uh, just think about that. California, a state and the majority of the people who support incarcerated people, especially uh, black and brown, are women. Women, we're talking about the courts, we're talking about the years of, in- of brutal and inhumane incarceration. The women, so when you make this, this, this movie and Mother Mobley becomes an emblem, an archetype that we can look at, it represents from time immemorial of no disrespect to our men who have stood up and died and been killed, but it's normally the women who are left to take this on. So when you say the stars aligning, brother, uh, the stars are actually aligning. and it couldn't be no other time for this uh, a, a movie uh, to come forth and for you to come together and for Orion. And we know in the celestial path what the star system of Orion represents. So all these things are coming few, and it's not to be taken lightly for Fred to step out of his own and take another step because he said oh man I've, I've done this no I'm gonna take it to the next level Keith me and you are the same age group a lot of these atrocities have we're born, birthed from these atrocities and so for us to be empowered by the Freds and the Tonys and all the people who support us in the world to give us these proper platforms so we can speak and bring about justice. And one thing I love about Mama Mobley, she said keep telling the story until they tired. We can't be quiet, brother. Until You
0: said it correctly, Matt. You know, having you know, one of the biggest things are having people believing you. Mm. you know, Mother Mobley believed in me before I believed in myself. Of course, your parents are going to believe in you. Um, But having Fred, Barbara, Whoopi, and Chinoya believe in me enough to, you know, join this fight with me, that's even bigger. You know, they could have been doing other films. You know, Fred could have retired from (laughs) telling these type of stories. But, you know, it's just all a blessing. Um, to be able to have, you know, these group of people um, surround me and support me in this manner to make sure that this story is told, not for ourselves, but for mm-hmm. the world. That's, That's right. right. Um, That's you why know, you're doing it for yourself. I truly you're doing believe, it truly believe that just like in 1955, this was a catalyst for change yes. in the world. I truly believe that when this story is told October 7th in theaters, mm. people will begin to open their eyes to what's going on around us. And will also have a great impact today.
1: You know, you said a few things if we can. I know we're uh, going to be mindful of the time, but a couple of things. One is having people believe in you. You know, um, I know Tobias just looked at me because I noticed in your bio that um, Muhammad Ali, you know, had a uh, had a role. And Muhammad Ali and his oldest child, Mariam Ali, Maymay, um, well, Maymay is like my sister, and uh, she's, you know, I, I met him one fateful day, both of them, and they he took me under the wing and sp- was a spiritual mentor of mine and had, a, you know, decades of, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm sitting right here with you guys because of a fateful moment with uh, Maymay Ali and, and, and her dad. And one time at dinner, it was the three of us, and he had told me, I was in my late 20s, uh, Mid twenties, maybe. He said, "I'm gonna carry on his legacy one day." And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, "Oh, cool." He says that to everybody, you know. But it was at his funeral, God rest his soul, where, you know, we we realized that that was something special. That that wasn't something that he just, you know, cavalierly said. And it was Tobias Tubbs who had I had to meet at a funeral of of a civil rights leader that we didn't even know who we both of us didn't know who passed away. But on Christmas Eve, we were called to that funeral, and um, that's how I met. We met at the grave. And it was at that moment I met Tobias, he only had been out 72 days after serving 28 and a half years. Can you imagine that? And and I knew that, that my life changed the moment I met Tobias. And it's these moments where, you know, I'm here right now because of, uh, we're living good currency. We're coming on something like I was, you know, gonna focus on big films or do TV stuff. and And now we came together to create this movement of positive change that is, you know, focused on telling positive, inspirational stories, whether they're lighthearted or whether they're deep like Till. You know, at the end of the day, how do we create tangible content that could go and create, like you said, a movement and give people what we're calling practical inspiration, not just inspire people because inspiration goes so far, but they need a practical guide how to implement it in their life. And that's really our movement, our mission right now, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a film, a documentary, a television series, a a stage play, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, make sure it's practically inspirational. You know, give people that that those tools, and I think that's the lessons that we're going to get from your movie, is that there's practical tools that his mother is going to show us through this film, the people around him. You, Keith, you, Fred, I mean, you both yes. are practical inspirations. Yes. Um, that's why I think it's so important that this the the surrounding cast, no pun intended, is 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 carrying on so that we all can learn from these lessons. Um,
2: yeah. Oh man. Uh now as we bring this to a close, and I'm gonna use something that you gave. So I'm gonna tell you it right now, Keith. Keith said, Unintentional movie producer, un- unintentional movie director. This is a platform for my advocacy. And uh, that's the same thing with me. Like, you know, I'm no podcast host. <laughs> you feel me? I'm a person whose mouth was silent in the court, to which my brother here said, look, man, we're going to put you up on a microphone so you can speak your truth. So it's really not so much about anything else, but utilizing the opportunities we have as mediums. And uh, I will close with this. The importance of being believed in is one, The importance of having parents or people in your life that can be straightforward, give you the truth, and allow us as young people to take that truth and put our skills, our talents, our resources, and lives behind it so another generation can possibly be able to entertain that truth. So, Tony, man, this was beautiful, man.
1: Yeah, I just want to conclude. I I got one question for you, Fred. So, when you are got, you have a documentary now. Well, I mean, Keith's documentary. You have this feature film coming October 7th. As someone who's as done as many prolific stage plays as you have, um, does this? I mean, does this? Does this story fit that? Does the? Does the? Do you see a a Till stage play? Do you you see it, or is it?
3: (laughs) I'd love to. I'd love to. As I say, these stories continually need to be told in a stage version. Till there's a, there was an opera and musical out there, and there was another play that we saw. Um, so God, please, yes, all <laughs> of these stories. I mean, there were so many of these stories that are, I mean, what, I haven't we seen them about the M.R.B.C. or, mm. you know, I mean, Nature Finally, although we sort of even went sadly, it's good, but by the way, I noticed this photograph, which he told, this happened to be sitting near it, you can see it. It's, um, mm. that's, that's really errors. Mm. Yes. And, and much younger me, but on the set of, of those Mississippi and it's just on the day that we shot the verdict wow. and that is the courtroom and where it happened. And anyway, it made me think of Murley. We, um, uh, the young Murley and younger Murley in, in, in our film. Um she and Mega play a very important role in it. Uh interestingly in, in goes to Mississippi, Lena Evers, Steph Frank Pete's mine, um, was going to play herself in the movie, but instead played the head of the jury. And uh so she asked her friend Yolanda King to play her. Um Londa uh, and and Dowell uh and Van evers played themselves. so mm-hmm. we had the king and evers family wow in it. but anyway it's just i just knew it's this photograph amazing thank you. thank you Amazing. Um, and um it was Burley evers and like um mrs mobley she, she's a remarkable courageous person who has fought her whole life for justice and still is still doing it. well fred and keith uh, you guys fight anyway, for
1: justice you clearly are fighting for justice every day. And, you know, just to remind ourselves, all of us listening and the four of us right now is, truly, if you believe that, you know, you're of service to yourself and others daily, if you can believe that, then what we try to teach ourselves and others is, show up with your intention daily, make your intention, your personal, professional, and spiritual intention, what you're trying to accomplish today. Follow through with the actions. Like we intended to have this podcast with two remarkable human beings, we sh- we followed up with actions by preparing. The results are out of our hands. And that's where the divine algorithm comes in. And so, you know, a lot of times you guys go through all the energy and the years and the, all the dominoes we just talked about to get this movie released October 7th. Well, who knows? It's, we're in April. Who knows what can happen? It could come early. It could come later. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the results are out of your hands. You guys did your part. You intended to do the, di- the, the film. You did the film. And now you leave the rest to the divine because the coolest part about it is if you change one person, it's if you change humanity. If you can get to that notion, then you leave the results and all the other stuff out. Yes, of course, we wanted to make money. Yes, of course, we wanted to win awards and all the great accolades will happen. But I'm just here to remind something I don't need to remind you two greats, but to remind myself and others, the intention and the actions are the only thing that really count. Leave the results up because you guys have already had a profound impact on so many people.
3: Thank you. Thank you both. It's great to, great to meet you both.
0: Tony and Tobias, I didn't have a chance to tell my Ali, um, story, but I hope I could do it in the near future because, um, great impact to meet someone as prolific as him and for him to look at me in the way that he did, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of my journey with Till and the belief he had in me that, you know, me not iconic figure like that. And for him to um, give you words of wisdom that I live by every day now um, is truly remarkable um, and amazing. It's, you know, my life has been on cloud nine. This is all surreal that is happening to me right now. And so all I could do is keep on.
1: I would love to have you both on, maybe even after the, um, you know, when the release comes out. Thank you guys so much for your time. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. I'm Keith Moshaw. I'm Trent Zolo. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are Living Currents.